Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We are looking at a spectacular day here in the Twin Cities, and I hope you are getting ready for a time of refreshment and a little bit of relaxation this weekend. Hopefully, you'll spend time with your loved ones and uh, also uh, be back in fellowship at your church. I hope that is what is on your uh, plans for the weekend. I've got a a great show coming up in this hour. Uh, Rich McCourish will be with me. And then uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner and his wife, Hallie, just celebrated 26 years of marriage. And we're going to uh, learn about the, uh, the some of the secrets to their their happiness. And coming up uh, next week already, Dr. Andy Scudding is going to be in on Monday. He's a psychologist. And then uh, Gary Thomas will be joining me as well next week. He's written a book called When to Walk Away from Toxic Relationships. And then Jonna Fonts and Rick Matson will be in on Tuesday. And we're going to talk about why does God allow things that we don't like? We've got a lot of great guests coming up next week. And also on Thursday next week, there'll be a special one hour with myself and Carmen LaBerge and Susie Larson. It's going to be a big surprise. We've got lots of fun things coming up next week, but we've got a great show ahead. All right, that's all ahead next week. But joining me now, Pastor Rich McCurris is my guest. He's the senior pastor at King of Glory Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He uh, has written a book called Real Life, How to Live with Contentment, Confidence, and Joy. Something we should think about every day when we get on our feet and start our day. Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Oh, it's a delight to have you back. I loved your book. I thought you uh, gave us a lot of practical counsel and wisdom in the book. And it's always a good reminder that we need to uh, live with confidence um, and contentment and joy. So thank you for the Holy Spirit leading you to write that book. I appreciate it. All of us have got a variety of circumstances that we're in, and so sometimes we just need a friendly reminder to look beyond our circumstances for our joy, contentment, and confidence. Yeah. Why is that so stinking hard to do sometimes, Rich? (laughs) Well, the noise is pretty loud around us most of the time, and I think we're trained that it's all about the physical realm, when in reality there is something more beyond what we can see, touch, and feel. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, God provides uh, the best news for us, that He's with us, and He'll walk through every episode in our lives with us, and we should have a great sense of uh, joy and gratitude, knowing that He is alongside us. Yep, exactly right. Yeah. So I want to chat a little bit today about um, the sermon series that you're doing at your church on the Book of Romans, which... It's such a powerful book. It's one of my all-time favorites. And I know the focus of your sermon series is kind of teaching people and reminding them how to live in the midst of division. Yeah, we're going to be kicking off in Romans chapter 12 and spending seven weeks looking at uh, how Paul encourages us and kind of what our marching orders are for life and reflecting upon uh, how do we implement, implement that when we're living in a society that's very polarized right now and really a time in our lives when uh, there's just a lot of division around us. 
So let's let's jump into some of the portions of Romans that we can look at and we can go, oh boy, here's the instruction we're getting. Yeah, in Romans chapter 12, I, the, way, the reason I chose that chapter is it kind of is a bunch of encouragements where the Apostle Paul is kind of laying out one thing after another. And I think so often in our society, we can get stuck in, well, I'm going to do what somebody else does to me, or I'm going to do what feels right. Mm-hmm. When, when, in, when in reality, we've got some encouragement here of saying, hey, it's not about the circumstances around you, but it's about what, in light of God's mercy, in light of what God has done for you, offer your lives as an act of worship. And so what does that look like to offer our lives as an act of worship? All right. I'm still at full attention. So just uh, looking at each little thing, you know, I think a big thing right now in our society is there's some basic encouragements like Romans 12, where it says, seek to show hospitality. Ooh. You know, this isn't, uh, we have to remember that the book of Romans was written also in a very hostile culture. Uh, you know, everything was not well for the Christians living underneath the power of the Roman Empire. And yet Paul is encouraging them to still extend hospitality. In other words, to help a stranger, help an enemy become a brother or sister in Christ, really uh, encouraging us today to say, hey, how are we doing in our hospitality in regards to opening our lives to those around us? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Rick, because I think of that we become slightly more isolated and we get uh, less connected to people, and then all of a sudden we're doing less hospitality. Or maybe I should just speak for myself. I think you are echoing a lot of what's going on around us. You know, one of the things I've learned uh, in the role that I serve is that most people don't open their homes to one another any any longer. You know, sun, Sunday meals are becoming less common with friends and extended family, and uh, we have bigger homes, but we spend less time opening those homes to people around us. And so I think we're called to live out this uh, hospitality. You know, it's also some of the demands on time have changed over the decades in terms of kids' activities and the different places they have to be driven and the events and the activities in their lives. And to some credit to the parents, they do end up at the end of the day or end of the week pretty exhausted. Yes, we are a global society now. Everything is on the everything is on the go, and so we've got to find ways to sometimes change the pace or sometimes incorporate something into the pace of our lives that includes others. Mm-hmm. Now, Rich, when you were growing up, um, were your parents, did they have that gift of hospitality? Did you regularly have people into your home and meals and, and um, times of social activity? It was pretty much ingrained into us from a pretty young age that our table was always open to others. Okay. So oftentimes, oftentimes even at Christmas or Thanksgiving, we would have non-family members uh, join us uh, for a meal. Uh, we'd have friends over in our home quite often. And so it's kind of ingrained in our DNA. Yeah. So you come from that place and you, you continue to do it. Um, what about some tips you could give the rest of us who maybe aren't as good at hospitality? Oh, great question. I think first and foremost is, I, this might sound kind of weird, but allowing yourself to experience hospitality from someone else oh. will really will really train you then on how to be hospitable for someone else. Mm-hmm. One of the examples I use is that some of us are really bad at being cared for. That can make us also a really bad caregiver. But when we've received really good care, we know how then to give good care to others. And so part of it is is you know, look at the examples around you of people that you enjoy being around. Why do you enjoy being around to them? 
and trying to learn from those examples. Mm-hmm. Don't you find yourself, though, with preparing for Sunday uh, sermon and you've got three young kids and uh, a busy week, that it, it is something you have to be very intentional about. You can't just at the last minute say, wonder if we should invite the Joneses over for dinner. Yeah, it's uh, it's very much intentional. The other thing that we have tried to do in our family, because we are getting ready for my unique role of preaching on Sunday, you know, we we got to be intentional on Saturday of saying, hey, we're going to take a couple hours and get cleaned up so we can invite some people over for brunch or lunch after after church. But the other thing that we've tried to do is not fuss about that, uh-huh. that we can actually actually intentionally set an example for the people that are coming over. So little little do people know, sometimes when they come over intentionally, we didn't clean under the couch. Yeah. Because we want to lead by example of saying, hey, you know what? You can have people over without having to get all the fine china out. <laughs> yeah. And just the fact that they see you living in your home as you live in your home is probably another good reminder that it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. One of the things we love to do is when we're having brunch on a Sunday, We'll have people over. I mean, the brunch isn't ready when people get there because mm-hmm. we've been at church with everybody. So we all just show up and I say, hey, you start cracking eggs. Hey, you start nice. mixing the pancake mix. Nice. You know, so try, try to make it a family affair with everybody that comes. Yeah, I remember when I, when I sold uh, my house, the realtor more or less said to me, you have to make your house look like you don't live in it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And there's that reminder that uh, let's just not worry about stuff or over-worry, because if, if you do, you're never going to—you're going to be less intentional. You're going to be less uh, spontaneous. If you're waiting for the perfect opportunity, the opportunity will never come. That is so true. All right, uh, Rich, let's move on with um, more on Chapter 12 of the Book of Ro- uh, Romans. I think, you know, as we look on here in verses 14 through 21 in Romans Chapter 12, it's really where we get to some of the heart of the matter— that's most difficult for us. The Apostle Paul encourages us with words like, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And I think in our current culture of division, our followers of Christ are going to rise up and kind of step above the fray and say, hey, there are individuals, there are groups that are persecuting us, but we are not going to return what's been given. We're going to take the high road, and what we're going to do is we're going to bless them rather than curse them. And this is extremely, extremely difficult, but I think this is getting to the heart of Jesus Christ, how he responded to persecution and how we live that out in our lives, especially in the midst of a polarized society. And Rich, isn't it safe to say that sometimes walking the Christian faith is just not that easy? Exactly. It is not a pathway that uh, is just comes, comes natural at all. Actually, it's the exact opposite of what comes natural, of why we have to live in the power of the Spirit to live out the Christian life. Yeah, because if we're living in this divided, polarized world that we are living in, if we don't rise above the fray and love the people who are difficult and challenging in our lives, we're really not paying attention and following what God commands. Exactly. Yeah. And I think another another big piece of this is what example or what culture are we creating for our children? We talk a lot about teaching our kids in kindergarten, hey, if if Johnny hits you, you know, don't hit Johnny back. Mm-hmm. Are we are we modeling that with how we're interacting on Twitter, with how we're interacting on Facebook, with how we're talking about those who have different political views than us? Are we modeling that for our children? Or are we creating an environment that says, hey, if they said that about you, it's okay for you to say that about them? Mm-hmm. I think we've got to be 
very mindful of what kind of culture we're creating for our children. All right, Rich, this is kind of a dangerous question, but as you look out over the landscape of your friends and people in your community, how are we doing regarding that? Are we are we being loving and caring and kind on Twitter and Facebook? and Or do Christians appear to be much like the world that we're trying to counter? Mm, that's a difficult one, which any answer I give may appear judgmental. <laughs> I think from, from my my perspective and speaking even I know for myself is this is the area I think where we're struggling the most right now because the emotions are very high and I think we are really struggling here to bless those who persecute us I'm seeing a lot of Christian leaders I'm seeing um, a lot of people that are in the that are in the day-to-day they're falling into the trap of um, basically following the patterns of the world rather than being renewed in our minds and uh, blessing rather than cursing mm-hmm Rich Mercouris is my guest. He's the uh, senior pastor of King of Glory Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Awfully glad to have Pastor Rich Mercouris as my guest. He is the senior pastor at King of Glory, which is in Sioux Falls. And we are chatting today about uh, how to love and try to have unity in, in the midst of all the division that we have going on in life, in our world, in our neighborhoods. And we're coming to it out of Romans chapter 12. And it uh, starts in verse 9 with love in action. You know what? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. You know, we, we have some orders. God wants us to put our love into action. Exactly right. One of the phrases I like to use and encourage people with is, no matter the environment around us, our marching orders do not change. And I think that's what we see here in Romans chapter 12, is the Apostle Paul's laying out a variety of encouragements. These encouragements do not shift with the wind. They do not shift with the culture. We've got to remain faithful to these encouragements, these marching orders that God has given to us. And so if living in the midst of division, we've got to remain true to how God has designed us and how God has redeemed us to live. Mm-hmm. Rich, when I look at verse 9 in chapter 12 of Romans, where it says, love must be sincere and hate what is evil, how do we hate what is evil without feeling or being hateful towards those who, as we see it, are doing evil? That is a fabulous question because we've bought in a lie in our culture that says if I disagree with a position or if I disagree with the behavior of a person, I hate that person. Mm-hmm. When, when in reality, we all know this to be true of ourselves. There's, there's things about ourselves that all of us do not like, <laughs> but yet we do not hate ourselves. And so we've got to return back to a, a truth that says, you know, we can um, be disappointed. We can actually um, be opposed to a specific behavior or a specific um, position that somebody has. But that doesn't mean we hate or, or despise that person. It's really a fine line to walk. And I think it really comes down to how are we maintaining relationship even in the midst of the disagreement? In verse 16, Richard talks about live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So there's another indicator. How connected are we with people that live below us in terms of um, socioeconomic levels, um, status levels in terms of, you know, your your job and the community that you're trying to be a part of. Uh, it's, it's just kind of a good litmus test, isn't it? 
Absolutely. This is what it means to follow Christ. Our ma- our master himself did not show up in a village and go to the most powerful uh, house in the village, but rather our master went and visited anyone and everyone, and oftentimes was found to be associating with those whose society would say they are the lowliest. And so it's our responsibility, but more than that, it's really our opportunity to engage with people uh, of all um, economic statuses, uh, engage with people of all statuses, because there's really value in seeing everyone and uh, an opportunity really to learn from everyone as well. Rich, it's interesting how Jesus would always gravitate to the people on the margins, wouldn't he? Yes. I mean, the people who were on the in and the people who were on the out, you'd always find him with the people on the out. Yeah, there's a lesson there in a variety of ways for us. It it appears as though Christ found more uh, place to be, welcoming place even, than those who are on the in. Sometimes uh, those of us are those who are on the in and uh, can gain a little bit of pride. And sometimes that pride can make it difficult to be around. And so I think sometimes Jesus uh, found those crowds that didn't have that pride uh, engage in those places. When I think of verse 21 where it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Sometimes there's not going to be the tangible evidence that your efforts did in fact prove that you were able to overcome evil with good. You just have to go love and do good and and uh, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, like it says in the previous verse. But you won't always know what the results are. Does that sound fair? Yeah, we are not We are not responsible for the response right. of those that we are loving. We are responsible for what, what we seek to initiate and how we respond. And so it can be difficult at times. Because we might be seeing like, wow, I'm keeping all of these good works on those who are persecuting me. Um, but yet our our sense of satisfaction shouldn't come from uh, the good works or from the response of those, but rather from our faithfulness, knowing that we're living within the calling that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. Rich, in your book, uh, Real Life, How to Live with Contentment, Confidence, and Joy, we have a tendency, naturally, to want to build our identity around things that aren't God. I mean, that's just the default position. I want to have a good job. I want to be well-liked. I want, you know, my family to be wonderful and perfect. And you have all these desires in terms of trying to build your identity. And we need to know always that our identity is first and foremost in Christ. Exactly right. The moment that we start to stray from that, everything else begins to crumble. Our behavior flows from our identity. And so if we don't begin by understanding who we are and whose we are, uh, behavior is just going to flow from that that is not healthy for those who are around us or for ourselves. And you can also think that there are so many good things. It's great to have a great family. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, but if it becomes like what Augustine says is this disordered love where you start to place it in higher importance than you have God, it can crumble quickly as well in that position, can it? Yeah, I think I appreciate that quote that you just shared. I think a modern-day quote from that is Pastor Tim Keller, who talks a lot about, you know, we've got so many good gifts, and why can't we enjoy these good gifts? It's because for many of us, these good gifts have become God rather than good gifts. Mm -hmm. And so the moment that, you know, I I enjoy sports, for example. Uh, Sports can become a God, though. And so the moment it becomes a God, it's kind of like, why is it not life-giving anymore? 
Well, you're, you're trying to get something from it that it can't deliver. And so we need to enjoy the good gifts for what they are, gifts and temporary rather than God. Yeah, everything we have comes from God, including our ability to enjoy the things that he gives us. Yes. Deuteronomy speaks a lot about that, of where did you get your ability to do this or to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, God gave us the ability to do that. And then you think, well, I, I know people who are pretty wealthy who are pretty miserable. And, of course, my default yeah. thought is, how can you be miserable? you got money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly right. Uh, you know, I think something we lose sight of is uh, everybody, no matter what your economic status is, has struggled with grief, anxiety, uh, lust. All of those, those things are not economically dependent, but they are common across the human spectrum. And so uh, just having more money doesn't necessarily remove those, remove those things. Sometimes it can actually make it worse because they look to that to solve some of those issues that we're still going to have. Mm-hmm. As we get ready to close our time together, Rich, um, joy, contentment, confidence. What's a practical step we can take today to move us in that direction? Great question. I think the number one thing I, I try to encourage people on is to rememberize uh, one one scripture, something like rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So just memorize that promise. And I, I try to speak something like that to myself every morning. Before I start listening to my own heart, I try to preach to my heart and remind my heart, hey, today rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in the circumstances or look around, but first find my joy in the Lord. So my encouragement would be memorize that truth, speak that truth to yourself right away in the morning and throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Is that a routine of yours? It's a routine of mine. I try to speak to myself before I get into the shower, because when I get in the shower, I start thinking and listening to myself. So I try to build that habit up. Well, good. I, I thought you were going to say you get in the shower and start singing. <laughs> well, my, uh, we can't go there. I'm not even allowed to sing at church. That's how bad of a singer I am. <laughs> but I appreciate uh, your reminding all of us how joy and contentment and confidence in life comes from the Lord. And that's where we go for our, all of our resources and our joy. And you're um, really nice to spend time with us today. Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Pastor Rich McCorris has been my guest. He's the senior pastor at King of Glory Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So if you live in that area and you're looking for a church, I pretty much uh, think that you're going to want to head over there, meet some of the fine people at King of Glory Church. And his book is called uh, Real Life, How to Live with Contentment, Confidence, and Joy. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. I've got uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner and his 
wife, Hallie. Uh, they just celebrated their big anniversary yesterday. And Peter, usually on Guy Talk, he got out of it to go and be with his wife on his anniversary. So today I'm making him pay for it. Peter, welcome. Hallie, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Bill. All right, let me start with you, Hallie, because I know Peter. So let me just ask you, what, what is the, the one thing that you dread? You know, what, what is the one thing you really didn't want to do today but felt pressured into doing and may just well end up resenting your husband uh, who just uh, who we just enjoyed a lovely anniversary dinner with. Yes, this. Okay, <laughs> I figured. I figured. So, how yeah. many how many years has it been? Twenty six. Yeah, twenty six years. Amazing. I mean, it just I don't you know yeah time has gone by incredibly fast and incredibly slow all at the same you know just like these things do right I mean, yeah it's, it's happened so do you still compliment each other? <laughs> do we? Well, uh, and and um, um, we we can speak telepathically now. Twenty six years, Bill. So, <laughs> yeah. And then, do you remember the um, the passages of scripture that were uh, used at your wedding? Oh, that's a good question. That's a great question. I got no, more like him. I remember yeah. songs. I don't remember the passages. Yeah, okay. what were the songs that were at the at the wedding? Um, uh, and, well, and I'm terrible at names. It, uh, Twilight Parasan. Yeah, how beautiful from how Twilight beautiful. Paris. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Uh, and then, um, Paulette and um, Rachel saying Rachel saying Holy Ground. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. We started out on yeah. Holy Ground. I think we had Amazing Grace in there too. Yeah, we did. Do you, do you think? Do you think that First Corinthians ten might have been in there? The I, you'd have to you'd have to remind us of First Corinthians ten. That's not the love. The thirteenth. The thirteenth. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Thirteen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was racking my brain for an obscure yeah. passage. Oh. You know, the hair of angels or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, we we did not have First Corinthians thirteen on our. Um, we had Ruth. But we did. Thank you. We had Ruth. Uh, where you go, I will go, and your people will be oh, my awesome. people. Okay. Yeah, good. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, is there? You've got how many kids? Five. Five. Okay. Yeah. Is there more than one language spoken in your home? Oh. Yes. Yeah. So you've been well, teaching the kids. Sort of. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. Obviously English, and then um, I've been teaching the kids French. Oh, awesome! All right. Can you yeah. and can you and Peter talk using words that would only make sense to you, and then if people are standing around, they would have no idea what you're talking about, but it would still make perfect sense to each other. No. Gosh, that is a great question. Yeah, no, we do not. Like, I don't think we have that like, do insider. Do code? Yeah. Yes, yeah, kind of code talk. I, you know, we don't. I don't think we have sort of that insider love language kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. I think that's heavy. Yeah. No, we're just, you know, we're pretty naive as parents, apparently. I yeah. Guess, so, yeah. yeah. It's just, you just get what you get. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Have you had couples who modeled uh, good marriages and that would not include your parents? Yes. Yeah, I think that's been probably the biggest part of the journey is that we had people um, before us. Uh, but we had two different uh, pastoral couples uh, participate in the the wedding, and both of them, I would say, were distinct models for us. And, and just going back to some of the wedding songs that we had, uh, the song from Twilight Paris that was "How Beautiful." It has a line in the song which is "How beautiful are the feet that bring the sound of good news and the love of the king." And those two couples really modeled for us what a marriage, um, probably central to the invitation in marriage is that it's there's more involved than just companionship about the two of you. There really is a, a greater call and a greater purpose. And so they really modeled the idea that what they did individually and together was to bring the sound of good news and the love of the king in, in the various giftings that they had. But that, that was what held them together as well. And I think that was modeled. You know, however, it was modeled well for us. Sometimes we've done that part really well together and some part is sometimes it's been really hard in our marriage in those 26 years. But I think that probably modeled 
something that could hold us together for a lifetime, that there's a bigger call in our life together. Mm. Hallie, do you have anything to comment on that? Yeah, I think exactly what Peter said, that somehow watching them and learning from them taught us that the combination of us was part of a greater story than us. And so I think looking side by side, standing side by side and looking up and at the horizon together is what helps us not get stuck. I mean, not that we've never been stuck. Huh. We've been super stuck. Yeah, yeah. years of stuck. However, times, yes. <laughs> it gives us something to, it gives us a way to move forward together when we are stuck <laughs> in ways that I don't think we would have figured <laughs> out on our own without watching them. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, when you're having trouble with communication or you're having trouble with what, you know, you pick and, and fill in the blank with marriage. And I think there, there's common troubles, there's individual specific struggles. But I think when you do, as you said, Hallie, have your eyes towards the horizon, those struggles have a context to keep working themselves out because you know you need to work these things out in order to continue to participate in that bigger story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you guys are sitting next to each other right now, so you could technically hold hands, look into each other's eyes, and, <laughs> and think, think to each other, I will forever cherish the original misconceptions I had about you. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it's funny. You just said out loud what we've been doing right here, right yeah. now. So, yeah, yeah. So weird. All right, Hallie, here's a question for you. What petty thing does Peter do that aggravates you? Oh, that's good. Oh, that is interesting. Okay, yeah. petty thing. Petty thing. It's no big deal, but it's just petty and it just bugs you. <laughs> I like it. I do too. Well, Peter, you're next, so don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the the late night snacks get left on the table in the in the TV room. Okay. Like, over yeah. 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 Were you aware yeah, of that, they Peter? They keep as well by the morning. That's no, for sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> All right, Peter. What? Uh, I mean, what that's as petty as it gets. That's little. Yeah. What, yeah. What little petty thing might uh, Hallie do that that aggravates you a little? Uh, I would say that if the approximation of when it's going to be time to leave is two thirty-five, <laughs> um, it's almost always two forty-two or later. Okay. So, so close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. You'd have to round down substantially to get to so close. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> So. True. And Hallie, yeah. is it is it because you don't uh, you're not as committed to a specific time, or it takes you a little, little extra time to get ready? Or Peter, what's the rush? We'll we'll be there in time. Yeah. What is your thinking? I don't really understand time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. A minute can feel like an eternity, and it can go so quick. And yeah. I I can't ever figure out how long it's really going to yeah, take. Kind of like this interview. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, too, you're better at, at being present to a given situation. So, I mean, yesterday was a great example where you were just picking up one of our daughters from a friend's house, and um, we're going to be home by a specific time, so we could go out for our dinner anniversary, and yet yeah. you got caught up in the conversation that was an incredibly important conversation mm -hmm. and just totally present to that piece of it. And I, so there's, you know, it's always two-edged, right, Bill? I mean, yeah. there's 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 positives and, and um, things to work through on anything like that. So. Yeah. What yeah. Uh, small pleasures do you two enjoy doing the most? Mm. Is it like a cup of coffee on the deck in the morning, or what are little small pleasures you guys just love doing together? Yeah, I mean, we celebrated 25 years, uh, obviously last year, <laughs> and um, yeah. we did. We we had the fortune to do a little bit of traveling, um, and one of the places that we went to was a place uh, in France, and they had a coffee maker in France that we did not understand at all how to use. Um, <laughs> We were pressing buttons. I was getting angry at the coffee maker because the water was spilling all over the place, and I didn't know why. But we, the, the point being, we we really learned to love. Um, once we figured it out and and burned through all the beans, <laughs> we we enjoyed the coffee maker, and we ended up that that turned out to then be our our anniversary present to each other when we got home was this kind of coffee maker, and it is really sweet 
in the morning to um, to just pour that first cup of coffee together. Or even if we're not, it's such a, a beautiful shared experience that I think mm -hmm. would not make sense to people on the outside necessarily, but because we share it's such a funny, frustrating, wonderful experience in, in that time that it continues to be that would be one thing that I would say. Yeah. Um, long walks. Long walks. Yeah. Uh, traveling. Um, but also like just sitting on the front porch and watching. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Listening to the birds, building things together. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. I have, a th I have this theory um, that it seems like the presence of small things, like little gestures, little things you do, really help to grow a relationship. But then yeah. uh, after a while, the absence of those things can start to be the thing that starts to erode it. Do, mm. you, do you find that to be true or not? Yeah, I would agree with that. It, in the in-between, when I think, I think part of the wisdom of what you just said is that in the in-between of the big things, if you're tending to the little things, you're ready for the big things when they come. Mm. Right. But if you've ignored the little things, then suddenly you're in the middle of a big thing and you, and you've lost your foundation. You've lost your, it's almost like you forgot to hold hands or touch or just be together in small ways. And so the, I think it makes the big things harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really well said. I think in, and to your point too, that I don't, I mean, I don't know many marriages that head into seasons of struggle and ultimately may even split up where it's just a big thing out of the blue. It almost mm -hmm. always is the result of the erosion of all the little things over time. Um, it's kind of like looking in the mirror, right? You don't notice that you've changed over 10 years um, from your physical appearance uh, when you just see yourself day to day to day to day. Uh, but then you, if you were to see a picture of yourself 10 years ago, you see how much has changed. And if you weren't keeping track of yourself over those 10 years, <laughs> uh, it might, you know, it might be really different. <laughs> Yeah. And so I think I think this on some weird way that analogy applies somewhere in there, I think. So I mean, yeah. Because when you guys got married, how old how old were you? I was twenty-three. Twenty-three, yeah, we were twenty-three. Yep. So when you guys met, you were like in high school, right? We did. We met when we were fifteen. Yeah. I chucked her in a snowbank the first night after youth group to sort of declare my undying adolescent love at that point. It was it was beautiful. So confusing. Yeah. Yeah, so confusing it was, yes. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for uh, bringing the conversation to a grinding halt, Peter. Yeah, well, you know that is my bent. I that. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It's interesting uh, when you make reference to little small things that you do that that build up and and sort of you're letting people know you're paying attention to them and you're you're just kind of taking a little extra effort. And then when you start to notice those things aren't there, you start to feel a little bit of of like loss. Like oh, he's, she used to put a note on my shaving mirror in the morning every once in a while. Now that never happens. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's it. You know, and you're, you get so much premarital counseling, right? And, and you're sort of told, do these little things. And it might be part of what your practices are early on. But I think like anything else in life, you start taking things for granted or, um, yeah, you, it's not like you make an intentional decision ever say, hey, I'm going to stop putting notes on the mirror or whatever the expression is. Those things can just kind of slip in the tyranny of the busyness of the day. And then you have kids and, and there's so much attention, understandably focused on them. And, and so you do. I think it's a really important point uh, that you brought up there, Bill, about what really can erode the fabric of a relationship that that starts out with all kinds of good intentions. And again, I know very few couples are like, ah, yeah, I'm going to stop doing this because I'm just mad or something like that. It just sort of happens. Right. And then you find yourself in I'm not sure what place or and we certainly have found ourselves in those places over 26 years. I mean, there's there's been seasons where it's been tough for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take a little break. Uh, Peter and Hallie Kapsner are my guests. And uh, Peter, of course, you know, is a regular here on Faith Radio. And uh, they just celebrated their anniversary yesterday. So I thought, you know, it's kind of a nice Friday. It'd be kind of fun to talk about 
something happy and give people uh, a little break from the news. And uh, we'll take a short break and be right back. So glad to have Peter and Hallie Kapsner as my guests. They just uh, celebrated 26 years of marriage yesterday, and I thought it'd be awfully fun to ask them some lightning round questions to find out uh, what's worked well, what hasn't worked well in their 26 years of marriage. They have five kids. And uh, getting back to my questions now, are you guys ready for round two? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. How do you uh, manage difficult news? Hmm. I mean, if uh, Hallie, if you have to call Peter... How does that phone call start? That's a great question. Well, it depends on what the difficult news is and if it was my fault or not. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But if it's going to be news that's going to be troubling and disturbing for Peter, does the tone of your voice itself indicate to him Mm -hmm. that there's trouble? I don't know about that. I usually just start by saying, you know, do you have a second? We, We need to talk, you know. Something just happened, and I usually try to say it right away because the longer you wait to right. say what capital I, it actually. <laughs> you don't play twenty questions with them, in other words, right? No, I just <laughs> out with it, and then we go. You know, but yeah, 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 it's true. I can tell, though. I mean, I guess in it, it, when it's out of the normal rhythm of the daily conversation, it, it, you just get so used to talking with one another that you can tell when there's a slight departure and something is up for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you been over your twenty six years in a in a in a scary place where waiting for God was extra difficult. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, feel like I, I know the I, answer I, to that. I'm setting that question up because I did, I do know an answer to that. So I'll prompt yeah. you with it if you need it. Yeah. Go, I mean, go for it. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a few, but if you, if there's one specifically, the, for, the first yeah. one that comes to mind that I know of is the diagnosis that you had, yeah. Peter, that you had to sit and wait out for quite a while. Yeah. That, so you're, we are definitely on the way, uh, same wavelength with that part of it. That was, um, yeah, long story short, I had had a series of extremely disturbing symptoms when we had moved overseas to do some of my graduate work and, and coming back to the States after a series of a number of tests and, um, and and things being ruled out. We finally saw a neurologist here locally in the Minneapolis area who uh, believed from his diagnosis that it was Lou Gehrig's disease. And, um, and so we had to live in that for quite a while before going down to the University of Minnesota and seeing another uh, specialist in the field who said he... He didn't think that it was, but he couldn't be sure. And so, you know, needed to see me for six to nine months or so. And boy, that, I mean, we obviously experienced that together, experienced it very similarly, but very differently. But it was um, an incredibly stripping time in terms of what is important in life and what matters. And um, and you want to, we talked earlier in the last segment about getting back to the simple things. It was funny because suddenly the simple things weren't things that you did because you thought you should do them to have a good relationship, it suddenly became, that's actually what did matter at the end of the day. The, the holding hands at night while falling asleep um, became just a sweet thing that you, you began to savor because life was suddenly incredibly uncertain. Hallie, anything to add to that? I know you, um, you're, you might be thinking, and I don't want to race to the next question. No, that's okay. Uh, no, not really. I think, I think in those moments we learned... How, how to wait together or, or, or yeah. at least learned that we didn't know how to do that yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then you start trying to figure that out over the years um, and how to lean into each other instead of away from each other under stress and um, fear mm-hmm. and 
yeah. you know, all our natural responses are to, to, to run or cower or take care of yourself or, you know, whatever. And so how, what, what does the dance look like in those moments when, yeah. when, what does it mean to take care of each other? Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. under stress and it kind of goes against what your instincts are telling you to do. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything that, that sort of scares you on a daily basis? I know it's kind of a big word, scare, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you've got five kids, I suppose you're always kind of, you know, trusting them to the Lord, but also kind of, you know, hoping and worrying a little bit about them every day. I would think sure. that'd be natural. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think you hit it for me anyway. It, it's, you know, obviously with so many of the events that, that are happening these days and, and when you that passage from Genesis where it talks about uh, after they eat of the fruit of the tree and it talks about you'll have increased pain in childbirth that, um, that that could have been a physical thing, but it was more likely the idea that now in the midst of the uncertainty that you've become untethered from God, you're going to be birthing your children into an uncertain future. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and and I think I, that is felt really keenly these days mm-hmm. that uh, I you know, fear may, some days for sure, but certainly just that constant tension of uncertainty and, and, it just, I, you know, I'd like to go back to the 1980s and the 1950s and the 1920s and the 18, was it really different to launch your kids into the world? Um, it sure feels like it is today, you know, compared to times in the past, but either way, it certainly lends itself to a whole lot of uncertainty and sometimes fear for sure, especially, you know, in the evening when the night is quiet and your, and your mind is starting to think too much, um, that, that's when it can definitely hit. Yeah. Hallie, when was the last time you cried? Uh, last night. <laughs> <laughs> Not last night. We had a few tears over dinner, talking about some different changes. That's in very life. sweet. Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. When was the uh, last? When was the last time you cried that Peter didn't know about? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. um, he said he was going to uh, fix the back door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, when we we just um, came back from Scotland at the end of January again, and we sort of. At, at the time, I think we didn't really realize it, but we were traveling with COVID okay. um, to the States. And, and so just it, 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 the culture shock coming back from Scotland anyway is um, pretty intense. And I feel it on my own, in my own self. And then walking our family through that, through various ages and stages is intense too. Um, and so coming back and being in the midst of that and then having the world kind of unravel around us, I think... Yeah. Uh, you know, it undid me in some ways. And so about a week after we got back, or it wasn't that soon. Mm-hmm. It was about a month after we got back. I finally just let myself, I went for a walk and cried. Okay. Just almost the whole you walk. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Just, it's just so, we care so much, right? And what does it mean to raise people? And like Peter was saying, whole people who can walk well on this earth and for the kingdom and for the future and those are big questions and and then to do it under stress and in such great uncertainty which really is our daily life but to be face to face with that in a different way um i think yeah brought me to the end of myself yeah yeah all right do you feel that there are certain rhythms of life and it's important that you guys are in that same rhythm i mean do you guys both go to bed at the same time after 26 years of marriage, I mean, does one of you stay up late and one goes to bed early? And does that matter? Is it a big deal? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we certainly, you've always been way more than a, of a night owl. Yeah. I mean, you're up late. I Past 10 o'clock is pumpkin time for me. I had a hard time <laughs> staying awake. Why did I, <laughs> why did I think that would be true? 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> but in the mornings, it's always I, I I pop out of bed for the most part in the mornings, and it, it always brings me great delight to watch her try to struggle her way out of bed. So it's uh, um, but I think even those rhythms have a sweetness, and we we haven't ever really felt a lot of tension about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say we're we're learning how to do Sabbath well in the midst of all of this. Those churches gone online and all this kind of stuff, and so we I think even in the last month and a half, we've we've had different rhythms in the Sabbath, but we've shared Sabbath together. And that's been a really sweet time individually, but as a couple and as a family too. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a, there's an important distinction probably between rhythm and routine. Okay. We live in a rhythmic creation, right? The mm-hmm. tides and our own breathing and our own heartbeat and the, the turning of the earth and the cycles of the universe. And so I think rhythm is embedded in us and Sabbath is part of that. Um, but, and the feasts and the festivals and, you know, there's this rhythm that we've been born into and are a part of and have known eternally. And so I think routine is really important as long as it's helping us stay in touch with our rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. But the routines need to shift and grow and change over time. So I think the, the underlying most important piece is the rhythm and then the routines help us stay on track with that, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was um, when, when we lived overseas for that period of time uh, in the United Kingdom, it has a deep history within the Celtic Christian tradition that, you know, C.S. Lewis and George MacDonald and many others, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien would have written from these perspectives as well. But mm-hmm. it, it did recognize those rhythms that Hallie's describing, that um, our spiritual journey it needs all of what it needs uh, from the scriptures and from the learning and the theology and, and the biblical exegesis and all the stuff that's so understandably important within um, Western culture, but there, but there's also a mystery of just the, the, the relational reality of God in our world. And, and as you said, Bill, just what is God's rhythm? And, mm-hmm. and there is a rhythm that I, we discovered within um, sort of the more of a Celtic Christianity that came alongside all of these things. And, and you began to live life um, within all of that. I think I was, I think I was certainly surprised. I don't know if Hallie was as much, but I was just surprised at how much, again, that shaped the thinking of C.S. Lewis and others who mm-hmm. have had such a deep impact on our thinking too. But yeah, it's not just what we know, it's it's the ways in which we live. And when we're connected to what God is doing in those ways, um, it, it really can become a profound witness. Mm-hmm. So do you remember what the weather was like the day you got married 26 years ago? Mm-hmm. We do. You have a story. I mean, you must remember the reception part of it. Yeah, it yeah. was beautiful. But then there was a big storm and then it ended with a beautiful rainbow. We did. Oh. We had a beautiful rainbow right over, right over the lake where we got married. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great deal. Yeah. Wow, very sweet. So because June is oftentimes a big wedding month for a lot of couples, you must have some wonderful uh, godly advice for young couples starting off this month. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're filled with it, Bill. And, you know, we, <laughs> come, we on, I got, come on, I got two more minutes to fill, Kapner. Yeah, I, know, I, I get it. I mean, we stand in the bottom of our driveway, and just as people drive by, we dispense that kind of wisdom. It's, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> no, I... <laughs> to, to the limited extent that we've done some premarital counseling, I, I will often have students that will say, hey, you know, would you guys be willing to do that sort of work with us? And we've done it from time to time and with couples and groups. But getting back to what we said earlier, it is that idea that you're being, how did you say it, Hallie? You, the, the two of you are... Um, the side by side? Yeah, the side by side. Side by side, shoulder to shoulder, facing your future together. Yeah. And that somehow the combination of That's the two it. of you is greater... And, and something new to be discovered. It's not just, I know myself and you know you. It's like we have this whole new thing to discover, the combination of the two of us, and what part that has to play 
yeah. in bringing about the future of the kingdom. Yeah, and the quality of your companionship that you share for a lifetime is not then to somehow fulfill you. It, it, it is, yes, you might have fulfillment from it, but the quality of that companionship is all about turning your face outward mm -hmm. and together then shining God's light. There's just that bigger purpose as opposed to, we should become better communicators so we can enjoy our lives together better. I mean, yes, on one level, but there's a much bigger story. Yeah. And that's what we try to encourage couples to walk in. Well, Peter and Hallie, thank you so much for sharing your insights over 26 years of marriage. It was uh, really fun to hear you two banter back and forth on this subject. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, again, Bill, I don't know how you how you Jedi mind tricked her into the show, but it's been really fun to have her on the show finally. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Hallie, you did great. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, that wraps up our show, not only for the day, but for the whole week. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Faith Radio. It just means the world uh, to me and to us. I hope you have a wonderful weekend with your family and loved ones. Uh, that's it for the week, so you know it's time to ring the bell. Have a great week, everyone. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.